1: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Look, as I said in the previous hour, I try to remain optimistic that we're going to be able to get pipelines built. That certainly if we were sitting here today and let's go back even further. Uh, that we managed to get Northern Gateway built. We'd be in a much, much different situation today, economically speaking. There is a concerted effort, however, to block those pipelines at all costs. We've seen already, certainly through the Trans Mountain debate, the extent to which some of these environmental groups are prepared to go uh, to get in the way of these projects, and, and part of that involves fighting this in court. Obviously, opponents of the Trans Mountain pipeline scored a big victory earlier this year. And that uh, federal court of appeal decision, which was a serious blow, but not a fatal blow to the pipeline. But we are up against some very motivated forces. I think it's important to keep that in mind. Now, coming up uh, later on this afternoon, uh, there is uh, this event taking place in Calgary. We told you a bit about it uh, earlier, 530 this afternoon at the telus convention center w brett wilson is going to be speaking uh and our next guest is in town to speak at this event uh vivian krauss researcher and writer who's been uh, focusing on some of the money behind the environmental and political activism in canada Uh, vivian is going to be speaking at this event this afternoon and joins us on the line here this afternoon vivian how are you
0: hey great to be in town Thanks for having me on the show. Well,
1: good to have you here. Uh, good to have you back uh, on the program. So, um, you know, th- this is uh, an event, obviously, stemming from what's, what's going on right now with the price differential crisis uh, that, that the uh, industry, and by extension, I think all of us are dealing with. Wh- what's the message you're bringing?
0: Well, the main message is the one that, you know, I've been, been trying to, the drum I've been beating for eight years now, which is that there is a massive Uh, multi-million dollar international campaign against the Canadian oil and gas industry. It's called the Tar Sands Campaign. And um, for many years, you know, we we could see payments coming in by the hundreds, more than 100 organizations, all part of this campaign, but we didn't know exactly what it was about. But now we do, because the individual who's been leading it for a decade um, wrote a description of the campaign on his website, and he says, and I quote, that from the very beginning the campaign strategy was to landlock the tar sands to close them tar sands so that the crude could not reach the international market where it should get a higher price per barrel so what you have now is an admission by the people who've been running this campaign that it, it explicitly seeks aims to determine the price of canadian oil to keep it low to what end Well, I think if you were to ask them, they would say, I'm sure they would say that this is part of their strategy to mitigate the uh, climate and environmental impacts of our use of of oil. And my guess is that they would say, yeah, this is all about protecting the climate. I'm sure that's what they would say. Mm -hmm. But we've got to ask ourselves, um, is it working? And I would say the answer is no. The problem with this campaign is that it's not helping the environment. Because when oil doesn't come from Canada... It doesn't mean we use any less oil as a planet. You know we're we're using uh, an enormous amount of oil, something like 1,000 barrels of oil every second, right? And if it doesn't come from Canada, it just means that it comes from another country that doesn't operate to the same standards that we do and doesn't have the sort of uh, climate plan that uh, the current uh, government of the province of Alberta has put in place. So there's no better place for oil to come from if we still need to use oil, which we do.
1: Yeah, it's always, yeah, Go ahead.
0: What's happening is just that Canada is being benched. We're allowing ourselves to be bullied out of the global oil market to no benefit to the environment or the climate, and I would even say to the detriment, because as a country, we can contribute. We can we can use our money to innovate, be part of the solution, developing the R and D that we need, the new technologies that we need to make better use of the oil that we still do need to use. But if we are kept out of the global market, and, and, uh, and if we allow this campaign to continue, it is going to continue to do what it is doing now, which is to collapse and keep low our prices and force us to cur- curtail production. That will make us a weaker country, not a stronger one, and we will not be able to either reach our full potential nor contribute as much as we could. So that's why I think, and what I'm telling everyone that we need to call for, is an end to this campaign we need to bring this tar sands campaign to an end
1: what do you mean bring it to an end
0: well if a phone call would suffice that would be great would save us all a lot of stress time money we could go on to more important things but i don't think that this campaign is going to end with a phone call it's been in the running for 10 years there have been more than 500 payments um to organizations involved in this campaign I think it's time for litigation. I hate to say it. It makes me, you know, as someone who's worked in the slums of Guatemala and places like that for a decade, makes me sick to say that we need legal action against charitable foundations that are funding this campaign, but what they're doing is not charity. About a year ago, I, um, when this statement, this unequivocal statement about how the purpose of this campaign was to, uh, to determine the price for Canadian oil and landlock uh, Canada, I thought, you know what, we, we need a legal opinion about this. There's got to be a legal remedy here, sooner or later. Either this campaign is is legal and we need to make this type of activism illegal, or it is illegal and we need to have the law enforced. But one way or another, there needs to be a legal remedy, sooner or later. So in the spring of this year, we got a small legal team together, um, and um, a local, a local um, legal team here in Calgary, And um, they reviewed all my research and other information and um, came up with a a proper legal opinion. And um, which, you know, this is no secret anymore, the Edmonton Journal and other media have reported about this already, uh, was then provided to the Alberta government. And that this is what needs to happen. Either industry or government or other parties that are affected need to say enough is enough, that this campaign is not charity, it's not helping the environment, it's not fair. It's not right. It's illegal. And at least according to one opinion. And it needs to end. There are much better ways that these charitable foundations could use their money to help, you know, on a, on a global level, to help uh, other countries make better use of the hydrocarbons that we still are burning and, and need to burn. There are much better ways that we could advance the whole energy transition that a law we're all committed to. But the the current campaign to block all these pipelines is not helping. We've got oil going by truck now, not just by rail. We've got it on our roads and trucks. So this has gone too far, and it needs to be stopped.
1: So you're suggesting, then, that there are environmental groups in Canada who are registered as charities but whose activities would be in violation of the rules that the Canada Revenue Agency has laid out for charities?
0: I would argue that point, yes. I would say that there is absolutely nothing charitable about participating in the exclusion of your own country's most important national expert and costing your country billions of dollars, more than $100 billion. I see nothing charitable about that. And, and, you know, I've worked my whole life in charity. I don't see under any circumstances how that could be considered charitable. Now, I'll agree that making better use of our oil advancing policies, government programs, R&D, and all that sort of things to make better use of our oil. And not only our oil, but to develop renewable technologies. I, all of that, I would agree, is charity. But this particular, this one particular component of it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, they, these charitable foundations that are funding this campaign and have been for a decade, as I see it, they have four goals. And three out of four are good. There's nothing wrong with them. Renewable energy, that's great. Energy efficiency, getting more kilometers out of every barrel, that's good too. Nothing wrong with that. Energy security and the energy independence, that's good too. That's all fine. It's just on this fourth point, this business of bullying Canada out of the global market, that's where I think as Canadians, we need to put our foot down, draw a line and say no. You know, The U.S. has lifted its oil export ban. They are certainly not keeping it in the ground. And, you know, the U.S. is exporting oil now to more than uh, uh, 20 countries. About last month or last week, I guess it was, not the whole month, but they actually exported more than they imported. So there's a...
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, about to get 30, about to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Massive transition underway and, and it's benefiting the U.S. economy. I don't see it having any benefit to the environment. And it's very detrimental to Canada. Look what's happening with the price of oil. So, we need to we need to not let this continue. That's what we need to do.
1: It's interesting because even going back 10 years, um, you know, environmental groups didn't seem as narrowly focused on pipelines uh, that they did focus on those other issues. They did focus on other policy. They did focus on things like carbon taxes, et cetera. At some point along the way, they became myopically focused on pipelines. Pipelines became the hill to die on. How and why did that change?
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that, Rob, because, you know, of course, from your perspective, watching the news, you'd you know you'd be the person to notice that sort of thing, right? I can tell you what I've noticed is that, for instance... The, um, there's a set of charitable foundations that fund this, and they do it via two main intermediary organizations. One is the Tides Foundation in San Francisco, and the other, which we hear much less about, but is in fact probably even more important, is the New Venture Fund in Washington D.C. The interesting thing is that both of these, sort of Tides and New Venture, they fund you know this team of organizations, but they only fund them to do one thing: it's the Star Science campaign. You know, it's not like they're funding a broad range of environmental issues. Uh, you know, the, the main thing that they're getting, I shouldn't say that's the only thing. There's small nuts of money going for other things. But by far, the majority of the money has gone to this campaign to stop the pipeline project. So you've got to ask, you know, what, like, how does that help? It just doesn't. You know? right. Pipelines are the safest infrastructure. And, you know, here's the thing, right? We never used to talk about pipelines. No one ever used to have a cocktail hour or a dinner discussion over pipelines. They were out of sight, out of mind. No one even talked about them. Now they're running the evening news, they're headlining on newspapers all the time. The campaign itself takes credit for having generated more than a thousand media stories about pipelines. This is deliberate. This controversy was deliberately manufactured as a way to sabotage these pipeline projects and thereby landlock Canadian crude and keep Canada over a barrel. And now that we know that that was the you know, the goal all along, we have to do something about it. We have to get out of our complacency.
1: Okay, but what about the court ruling, the Federal Court of Appeal ruling? Because it, it would appear on the surface that it wasn't environmental groups who, who succeeded in convincing the Federal Court of Appeal that there were issues. It was First Nations and that it was constitutional issues related to Section 35, consultation with First Nations, problems with the NEB process. Um, but do you do you see... The hand of of these groups in that particular court case.
0: Yes, I do, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, in the in the case of both the recent court processes, the the application to the federal court of appeal that quashed the Trans Mountain ruling, as well as the more recent Montana ruling that um, again paralyzed the, the Keystone project, both of those court processes were funded and brought about as part of this campaign to landlock Canadian crude. And keep the price of our of Canadian oil low. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't begrudge anyone the right to appeal to the courts. That's a fundamental right. But I think we need to recognize that that application was funded as part of a campaign with an objective to sabotage these pipeline projects. And here, here's the thing that I think we all need to think about and address: the tooth First Nation, for example. Okay, now this is a First Nation that in 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 Vancouver is right across from the Kinder Morgan tank farm. So I think we need to recognize that they are one of the most directly um, impacted communities. Okay, But they were funded out of San Francisco, and I quote, they received funds to oppose and stop the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline project. Now, I gotta ask, how can the Crown consult meaningfully Not just consult, but do so meaningfully with a First Nation that is simultaneously receiving funds to stop the very project that the Crown is saying, pardon me, that the court is telling the Crown it has to consult over. I just don't know how a First Nation can do two things simultaneously that are at cross purposes. All right. So so, what do you do? what do do What do we do in that case?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the Court of Appeal ruling, for for example. Where, where do you think we're going to be a year from now? If the government, I, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the moment, if the government is intent on living up to, to the obligations now that the court has laid out and uh, trying to move this project forward, can it still succeed? Or what other hurdles do you think we're going to encounter?
0: I think we're going to uh, encounter continuous um, litigation to stall and stop these pipeline projects. Un- unless the Sands campaign is brought to an end, such that the organizations that are part of it, that are not there to optimize the project or address con- concerns, or there's no plan B for these groups. You see, there's nothing, absolutely nothing that is acceptable, except the shutdown of the whole project. And as long as those groups are able to use the courts to get the project stopped, I have no hope for any pipeline projects. That's why I believe the campaign must be brought to an end because it has found the sweet spot. It has found the best way to stop all these pipeline projects and it is by leveraging the constitutional uh, rights of First Nations. So as long as uh, as the court, you know, and, and in both of those court processes, to the best of my knowledge, none of this was exposed, right? In the one case, it was the tsleil that was the, 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 the lead plaintiff. And there was also the city of Vancouver, the city of Burnaby, a long list of other First Nations, and then two environmental groups that are actually American charities, okay, Raincoast Conservation and Living Oceans. Living Oceans reports in its tax returns to the IRS how they brought about that application to the Federal Court of Appeal. As part, you know, they they say in 2016, for example, they spent $65,000 on it. They're, they've told the IRS that they funded that application to the Federal Court of Appeal as part of this campaign. So did that come out in the court process? No. And I'm, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I didn't even come across this information. It wasn't, as to the best of my knowledge, it wasn't publicly available until after both court rulings were in. Some of it I got in September after the August ruling came in, and the other bit of it I got about two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago. So we, what we need is for counsel for the Crown to raise this the judges need to know. I cannot imagine that a judge would instruct the Crown to consult meaningfully with the same First Nation that's being funded to stop the project. It just it's illogical. I don't see how a judge would, would do that if a judge had known.
1: Well, Vivian, we'll leave it there. Uh, Folks can follow you, stay on top of your work. Uh, You're on Twitter, at FairQuestions. You'll be speaking, I believe this event is now sold out, at the uh, TELUS Convention Center this afternoon. Uh, You'll be there. W. Brett Wilson will be there discussing the cause of the oil price discount in Canada. Always appreciate your time, Vivian. Thanks so much for joining us here today.
0: Thanks very much. Bye for now. All right,
1: take care. Uh, That is writer-researcher Vivian Krauss. So 5.30 this afternoon at the TELUS Convention Center, CanadaAction.ca. Uh, for more Air Canada action, putting on this event today. All right, nine seven four eight two five five. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at twelve thirty on News Talk seven seventy Calgary.